0: Hi, everybody. I'm going to do this scripture reading. Oh, they talk back. That's cool. Um, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 20, so strap in. Um, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you. All right. We are in our series. We're going through Acts. It's the early church, and we're calling it Scattered Church because that's what happens to the people when they get booted out of Jerusalem. Um, There's a game, and it's like an early game of telephone. It used to be a, a... you play with your family or in the living room where, you know, telephone, you, tele- you whisper something in someone's ear and they whisper it to the person next to them, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, you see if the original idea made it to the end. And there's a, a game that's called Telestrations and it's kind of an update that you play with your family. And um, I, I would, let me just say this, never, ever, ever play this game with my family. Okay, just d- never do it. I love it with my family, but I don't think you should because the original idea or word that you get from the card could be banana. And it ends up being a rocket riding a T-Rex through a storm of ninja stars in my family. And everyone is, in, they're like, who did it? Who me- Who purposely is messing up? The, the original idea was banana. That was easy to draw, people. That was easy to draw. Uh, I say this is this, is... When you play with that t- game with my family, the end is just bizarrely different from the original idea. And we can come to Acts and look at early Christianity, the original idea, and we might be able to say this oh, okay, um, they must have been extra spiritual. They must have had an extra helping of the Holy Spirit. They, and, and, Some of them actually had eaten with Jesus, so maybe that was the extra that they had that we don't have. And so, whatever we see in Acts, we're just not going to see in modern day 2023 in in Southern California. We're just not going to see that. Let me ask you to consider something. What if we are the ones with the bizarre different ideas in 2023? And the original idea is very, very simple. Would you consider that with me this afternoon? Because when we take a peek at Acts, we are going to see how the early church operated so that there was this massive unleashing of power and dynamism in the community of God and in the world beyond the community of God. And so we're going to see that the original telestration idea, if you will, isn't bizarre or wild I would submit to you it's maybe been left unpracticed untried or maybe forgotten Uh, this is what I want us to consider what was the early mission of the Jesus followers in Acts what was it about their mission that produced this vitality Now, I'll say this is that's sort of corporate speak nowadays. Your mission. Right, like you get online, there are personal mission statements you can make. There are couple, marriage mission statements you can make. There are family mission statements. If you have a startup, if every company has a mission statement, we have a mission statement as a church, right? And so you can begin to think, okay, maybe that's just corporate, corporate speak. But if you go back to Acts, mission just means this. It just means sent. It just means sent. So what it means is an order from outside of you has told you to go do something. You were sent to go do it and the order is outside of yourself. You didn't come up with the mission yourself. That's what we see in Acts. So, In Acts 1, um, you'll see this, is Jesus is really, really clear about what his mission is for his people. He's, He's so clear. He said, this is what you're gonna do, is, yeah, you're gonna tell people here around Jerusalem, and then you're gonna tell your countrymen, that's Judea, and then, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to your enemies, your racial enemies, and then after that, we're going to see you go to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what other translations say, the ends of the earth. So that's his plan. He's like, that's, that's, I'm sending you to do this. Now, this is what happened. They stayed in Jerusalem. Because <laughs> it was comfortable. It was nice. And you know what they were doing in Jerusalem? They were fellowshipping with each other. They were getting prayed up. They were doing Bible studies together. They were singing together for crying out loud. Then they were sneaking in more prayer time, right? They were getting together for lamb barbecues and staying in Jerusalem. And it was pretty great. And they were going deeper with each other and they were doing life together, staying in Jerusalem. They were not scattered. They were not doing the mission of Jesus that he had said, this is what I envision. But then what happens? God is so gracious, right? Does he keep them in Jerusalem? What happened? Oh, Stephen got killed. And then Saul goes on a rampage saying, I am going to kill and capture more Christians. And so what, what happens is they get booted out of Jerusalem. And they begin to start the mission of Jesus. So this is going to be the first mark of God's mission on your life and a group of people that follow him. It's going to look a lot and feel a lot like failure. I wanted to say always, but let me just tell you, often, 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 the mission and the sentness of God on your life will begin where you do not want it to begin. I'm I'm going to tell you this, that is to say this, is that pain, difficulty, all the things going wrong, where your expectations get diminished and derailed about how you thought life should have worked, people should have worked, people should have operated, people should have performed. It's where your dreams and my dreams go head to head with God's plan and his story and his glory. Who wins? (laughs) Don't answer that. Why do I say that? Because you, both of us, all of us, you know what we've done? We have been in systems and networks and schools and companies and friendships where this is it. This is the metric for success. And it's an obvious one. We don't even question it anymore. It's so obvious. What is it? What's the metric for success? If things went according to the plan, then you are a success. And if things did not, did not, did not go according to the plan, then it is failure and it should be discarded. We've assumed this. We've assumed that this is success, but the upside-down kingdom of God says this, I will be great in failure and weakness. So I just want you to consider something. Would you please consider something with me? We want the catalysts for God doing great things to be inspiring TED Talks where we go from good sensation to good sensation to good sensation. And I'm just telling you, something will have to die in Christianity for something new to emerge. So this is a point, please look. If there is something amiss in you, if there is something falling apart in your life and dying, would you please do this? Would you pay attention to it? Would you consider that it's not the end? Would you consider that it's not destroying Would you consider that it is the beginning, it is the beginning of how you will change and be transformed? The reason why I say it looks in, 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 like failure is um, in a new life in Jesus, something new always begins when something dies. I've shown this graphic to you before, some of you have seen it, is look. It's the story of redemption over and over and over again throughout history and through your life is that you're going to come to a place where the things are breaking and broken and you won't be able to fix it. And you know what you will be? and I I, I kid you not. A friend of mine. You will be in a motel in the middle of Kentucky weeping on a bathroom tile floor and you're saying, I don't care what happens make me new I can't figure it out I'm just saying your own savior is the very blueprint of this idea something's gotta die to live into something else And the cross tells us that. So here, listen to this. The beginning of a dynamic, powerful mission will have marked on its genesis something that looks a lot like failure. I want you to believe it for your own life. I want you to believe it for the brokenness in the lives of your friends. And I want you to believe it in corporation of systems. There's a second mark that I've been chewing over. There's like five or six of these from Acts. I've been chewing over this last month. I can't, it would have been a tidal wave. So I'm just gonna give you two. The second one is this. The sentness, okay, the very mission of Jesus to his followers is marked by, it's a mouthful, but I'm gonna explain it a non-programmatic movement of God's spirit in all of its members. I know it's a mouthful, stay with me. So the text in Acts 8 tells us this. The apostles, those were the men who had met, ate barbecue, and fish and bread with Jesus. Jesus. they stayed in Jerusalem. I thought the mission of God was to all the places and they stayed in Jerusalem. So, if there's a hierarchy, if there is a a, a organizational um, leadership org chart, look who's not scattered all that much. Like, like, let's call the apostles this. Professional clergy. Professional ministers. Paid pastors. Let's just call them that. Okay. They're the pros. And they stay in Jerusalem. Everybody but the ministry professionals were scattered. They were the sent ones. Now, It was in their pain. It was in their loss of property and respect and the lives of some of their children or parents. It was in their dreams dying that they went to Samaria and they went to a place that was shocked that they would come to them. You are even speaking to me? The, the, the Hebrews, if you were a Judean, you would, it's, they have real accounts of this, you would walk around Samaria, even if it increased your, your trip by a week. Like I just have nothing to do with, so to come in a stunning way and care and speak and eat and say I'm gonna live here now and talk with you and know you and be your friend, this is stunning what, what happens. And it's with everybody that is not a ministry professional. Look at this. This is in verse 4 5. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to the, the Christ. Okay, isn't that kind of, um, this is that, doesn't that sound incredibly churchy and impossible? All of these non-professional Christians were preaching the word. Doesn't that sound like, hey, we should probably get a professional minister in there. I mean, we'll, we'll WhatsApp Paul and Peter. We're not Paul yet. We haven't gotten to that part. Peter, please. What, it sounds very preachery, but this is what they were doing, is they were announcing. And what that meant was this, is they were announcing good things over people's life because of the work of Jesus. And I want you to see this incredible shift Suddenly, 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 the scattered people were not ministry consumers. They became ministry providers. As they found houses, as they planted backyard gardens, as they went to work, as they went to market when they talked over a wall or a fence and they had lamb barbecues and they got married and had kids and talked about it in a very normal, everyday way in all the crevices of life. This is what I want you to see. The scattered people that were not professionals, they made decisions about where to go. Did Peter say, hey, 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 I want, I want you know, Last names, A through L, I want you to go to Samaria. Last names, you know, what's after L? (laughs) Thank you. Go to Macedonia. Like, no, no, no. They made all the decision where to go, what to do, how to do it, how to announce it. All of those ministry decisions were not made by apostles. They weren't made by professional clergy By at a Jerusalem office, at church offices. They weren't done by program makers. Do you see that? The mark of a healthy Christian church, if we look back at Acts, the original Telestration's idea, is a movement of the Holy Spirit on all members and it doesn't come from a top-down hierarchy chart of some minister telling you what to do. Would you consider this for a moment? Would you consider the Western American church has gotten really good at producing programs that are a religious product that are bought? And it is in the interest of a church to do them so well so you will always buy it from them and you won't buy it from them. Would you consider that the American church does not look like Acts? Would you consider that maybe you have wanted a program and if I have wanted a program instead of an every member occupied by the Holy Spirit doing ministry as a provider and not a consumer? This is from Acts. Now, there's a great question. All right, great point, Tim what do we need professional clergy for? <laughs> I'm just walking out the side door. Verse 14 to 16. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They'd been baptized. We believe, we're baptized. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles came and laid hands and had the Holy Spirit. Now Why? This is so strange about the Christian church. This is what I want you to see, is that there isn't a stringent command and control or programs from some church office. But it doesn't mean that everything is individualistic anarchy either. Why? The the apostles went down there and they said, we want to recognize to see what's happening in Samaria is the same thing that Jesus talked about. So the apostles, the professional clergy, if you will, they're just accrediting it. You're like, "Whoa, wow! God's work is real. That is true. That's consistent with the Jesus I know." Um, I have a father-in-law who um, owns a, a franchise, um, sport clips. It's like a haircut place, and it, it's funny is they give their franchisees um, a lot of liberty <laughs> to do a lot of things, but they also have a list of all the things you got to do. And yet the stores have to look a certain way. And so someone from corporate will come in and say, oh, I just want to see if it's consistent with our brand. I want to see, like, what you've put up on the walls and the and the sports member. I want to see if it's consistent with how we would do it in our corporate offices. See, that's what's happening. You can do, you own it. It's yourself. You can do a lot of different things. But we want to see if it's accredited. It's the same thing. Um... the professional clergy came to see if it was right and consistent with God's word, Jesus in person, and God's word. This leads to something. This leads to a stunning exhibition of innovation. When you don't just have one office or one person saying, I have all the ideas... It means that every member is talking differently to their neighbor and their coworker and their friend and their mother and their cousin and the guy they met at the park. It means that the ideas are not flowing up, but they are flowing from the spirit inside of you. Um, When they were in Jerusalem, think about this. They were actually pretty passive, weren't they? Listening to Peter. Oh my goodness, how many times is Peter going to tell the water story? Oh my goodness. Yes, we know, you denied him three times. They're very passive. And then in Jerusalem, they probably said, hey, you need to come listen to my friend Peter. He was around Jesus but they're pretty passive. Um, But when they were scattered, they were far more numerous and they were far more authentic. Let me say something that isn't very controversial according to the Bible, but I think it's gonna sound controversial to you. It is not the job of clergy to impart the good news of God to the world. It's not. So, it's not professionals. It belongs to everybody. Let me repeat this again. The very mission of Jesus to his followers is marked by a non-programmatic movement of God's spirit in all of its members. Now, what is this good news that Philip was talking about? It's, it's the same good news that Simon the magician was attracted to, but he was a little confused about. He hears about it. He's even persuaded that it's true, and he even gets baptized. And then what does he try to do? He sees Peter and John roll into town, and they lay hands on, and people get the Holy Spirit, and Simon's like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, I would love to have that. And he offers them cash. Cash. So much money, if you give me that thing that you do. And what does Peter say? May your money perish with you. Why? Because it's a gift. 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 You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't pay it off. It's a gift of God. It's done. It's finished. It's paid for. It's a gift. What's to be done with a gift? You receive it, you enjoy it, and you share it. That's to you, me, the scattered. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, um, you have sent every last one of us And our confession is that we are not pros. We feel like we don't know enough of the things to do the thing. Father, my confession is this. I, I don't feel up to the task. I feel weak. And so our prayer is this. May your power By your spirit, give us what we need to be your sent ones. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.